This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. So today on the podcast, I'm really excited because I'm speaking to a lady called Karen Mayer from Mayer and Hound. And what we're going to be talking about is how she left behind a career in fashion PR to set up a dog training and behavior business. Um, and it's really exciting because um, Karen's had a career in PR and now she's working in the pet industry. And um, as you will know, you, if you listen to this podcast before, um, it's all about the podcast is about getting publicity. So Karen's um, been a PR professional and now she's a pet professional. So I was really excited when I discovered her former life and wanted to invite her on. So Karen, first of all, thank you for coming on. And can you tell me a little bit about you and what you do? Oh, hello. Thank you. Um, so I've got a company called Mayer and Hound Dog Training and Behaviour, and I'm based just outside of Winchester in Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um, I do one-to-one dog training and puppy training, and I do a lot of dog behaviour consulting as well, um, focusing on um, reactive dogs, anxious dogs, and I really specialise in working with rescue dogs. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. And have you got any pets of your own? Yes, I've got five dogs. Wow, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, four are rescues. Um, so Fred, my hound, who my company's named after, um, he's from Cyprus and he was dumped outside of the dog pound as a puppy. So he's been with me since he was four months old. And when he arrived, he was incredibly anxious. Um, so he's, he's really... Um, been quite an asset to the business actually working with him while I was studying really helped yeah um and then I've got three other rescue dogs and I've got Mr Humphreys who's a shih tzu uh we also have two rabbits and a goldfish called Splosh oh brilliant <laughs> what a great name for a goldfish as well okay so, yeah. you've, so you've got lots of you've got uh, lots going on there haven't you wow fantastic yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, can you tell me a little bit about, about your background and how you, fa- how you kind of started out in, in fashion PR? Yes, yeah, so I um, really, um, I'm from Southampton and I really wanted to live in London, um, experience London life. So I originally, I did an art foundation course, but I was really torn because I've always loved and working, wanted to work with animals. Um, I planned to study zoology at university, but I also really loved the arts and fashion and just the media world. So I moved to London for a gap year to experience that. And I was really lucky in that I very quickly met and started working with a designer called Alexander McQueen. And he was amazing. And that led to me working with lots of really amazing people. So my gap year lasted 20 years. Wow. Uh, far longer than I than I anticipated it would. Yeah. Um, so I I I literally worked and worked, but I would I would always be um, reading books about dogs or books, you know, Jane Goodall books um, in the evenings, you know. I, and I had a dog actually that I bought when I was twenty three. So he was called Nobby, and he was a Shih Tzu, and he yeah. literally came everywhere with me so he would turn up at all these PR jobs he became quite well known he appeared in the press a bit actually because people would he was a bit of a character um so so I always had that thing of um one of my um references when I first started was was from someone that 
worked with me for years and they said I have never seen Karen Mayer without a dog by her side and they've known me for years um so that was nice um and um yeah so in terms of studying with dogs it's something that I thought about for a long time um many many years and obviously I had my own rescue dogs I adopted a dog called Tiggy, a Jack Russell, yeah. a few years ago when I first moved to the countryside. So I left London about 10 years ago, moved to the countryside, had Nobby with me, adopted a rescue Jack Russell called Tiggy. And Tiggy came with a lot of issues. She was really reactive. Um, people used to joke that she could start a fight in an empty room. She was very reactive. And I just helped her. And People would say, oh, you're, you've done amazing things with her. She's, she's really calmed down. She's really happy. And, you know, I, I really, really love Tiggy. And I think she was a brilliant teacher. And she gave me the confidence that maybe there was something a bit more there that I yeah. could work with dogs. Um, and then um, I sadly found out my mum told me that my aunt was dying. Um, she was only 58. Yeah. And it was very sad. And she'd just literally suddenly been given two or three months to live. And that was my, wow, life can be incredibly short and brutal moment. And that afternoon, I literally came home and resigned from my PR role and enrolled on a study course and thought I should actually really do this now because I've held it off for 20 years. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, there, I've spoken to quite a lot of people over, um, over, actually over recent months who've had those, those kind of sliding doors moments where something, something tragic has happened, um, as you've just described with your aunt, and it's really made them think, you know, it's time to do what I really want to do. So, um, yeah. so, so how long ago was that then that you, that you, um, you left your PR job then? Three years ago. Okay. Three years wow. ago. Okay. Yeah. So then I studied for quite a long time. I did a lot of different courses. You know, I was completely new to it. So I mm -hmm. swapped the courses around and um, I studied with Sarah Whitehead. Um, some of the courses I did were with her and aggression in particular. I studied with her and uh, those are amazing. And that, that really gave me the confidence, actually, that course to think, oh, I can do this. Because I was getting a lot of business inquiries from reactive dogs, rescue dogs, but I was when I first started my company, I was a little bit worried about working with reactive dogs. Yeah. Um, so I did Sarah's course and there was a lady who, um, the tutor was called Karen Yandel. They were amazing. They were so supportive. And then I started to do it. And that once I'd done that, that's when the business really picked up and became full time. Wow. Okay. So can you, uh, sorry, I just want to rewind a little bit and tell, can you tell me a little bit more about Tiggy and what she was like? Um, yeah, so Tiggy, Tiggy was um, a dog that had mainly lived outside. She was from the countryside. She'd been used for um, ratting and hunting and things. So she was a, a free spirit. And um, she was about six or seven when she came to me. And she got on really well with my other dog. But she would, um, I mean, she was a typical Jack Russell. She was very barky in the garden, very reactive um really would run up to other dogs in the park with her hackles up run up to them barking and growling and then she'd just roll over um she she was very i, I suppose what people would call a, a difficult dog to manage um and i suppose in that way it would have been easy to 
not confront those things and not walk her in those places and yeah and, and do you know what I mean and I thought I, I just sort of I don't know how I did it because I hadn't studied them but we just worked together Tiggy and I and I really found um that compassion and being kind to her really worked wonders with her um yeah. she really calmed down and we oh. became like soulmates I suppose where I suppose I was like a safe person to her so she didn't really need to do that when we were walking together and, and it took a long time but actually then family members when we'd meet up would say oh wow the change in Tiggy is amazing you've done an amazing job with her um and she um she died about three years ago four years ago yeah. um she had stomach cancer but it was all very sudden and she was about 14 at the time mm -hmm. but that really broke my heart it really because I think there's that dog you connect with um and that was her and then oh. when Tiggy died a few months later I got Fred my hound so yeah. in a way it, it's a lovely legacy for her oh my gosh totally god I'm getting emotional listening to you because I, <laughs> I had um, I had a little Jack Russell who sounds a little bit like Tiggy called Daisy and I've, I'm obviously not a dog trainer but listening to you and thinking oh my god I wish I'd done all those things that Karen oh. did when I had Daisy and I mean she they are, yeah. yeah she was a little scamp um, and I lost her two years ago as well oh. um, but yeah they just she made like Daisy kind of set me on the path that I'm on now so I've always worked in journalism and I, I used to be out on the road a lot and you know knocking on doors and all that kind of stuff and then I got yeah. Daisy and I wanted to spend more time with her so I ended up you know writing more about pets and animals and so I could be at home and then you know that led to where I am I set up a blog and that led me to where I am now that's amazing that's yeah a these story. Yeah, yeah these special Jack Russells they just change your life don't they, they so, are, I love I love Jack Russells I love them and I think um they're, they're they're very they're very unique dogs oh my god definitely so I've got another one now I've got Patch and it's funny because he's got a completely different personality today so he's oh. really calm and quiet he never barks honestly I thought that's I unusual about for him. a Jack Russell <laughs> no he's like Daisy was um she was quite vocal and crazy basically she's just crazy um yeah. but but yes anyway sorry I've completely digressed talking about that no it's nice but, I love that I could talk about <laughs> Jack Russells for days I'm a big oh my fan god. of them and actually after I did the um the Telegraph interview um where I spoke about Tiggy I got emails from all over the world from Jack Russell owners it was really sweet just saying Aww. oh you've got one like Tiggy oh you've brought tears to my eyes it was really lovely um, oh. so there are lots of fans of them <laughs> oh I know I'm glad that we're we're doing audio and not video Karen because you've brought tears to my eyes as well so oh. remembering these special dogs bless them yeah. um so so yeah so let me <laughs> I digress <laughs> let me go back to what I was meant to be talking about so just briefly I'm not going to talk loads about fashion but you mentioned Alexander McQueen and you I know that you've worked with some amazing designers can you tell me, paint a little bit of the picture about what it was like? Was and I'm picturing you with um, with your lovely little Shih Tzu under your arm and going on these jobs. And <laughs> I can imagine as a journalist going to meet, you know, going on a fashion job and then seeing you and the lovely little dog. I bet, I bet people loved it, didn't they? So what was it like working in fashion? Was it like Ab Fab? Um, so yes, initially when I started, um, Ab Fab was just on the TV. It had just come out and yes, it was really based on my then boss's, um, one of her best friends actually was the yeah. inspiration behind it. So it was really like that. And actually in my first job in a PR agency, um, 
Jane Horrocks, who plays Bubble in AbFab, came into the office to select clothes to wear for AbFab. And I was helping her and then I realised that I did the job that she does in AbFab and so I became a bit shy because I was thinking, oh, I hope she doesn't think I'm like that because I was always um, trying not to be, yeah. you know, a typical fashion person. And I'd always say to people, well, I'm only doing this for a year and then I'm going to go and do my zoology degree. Um, but then as the years went by, um, and Alexander McQueen, actually, he wasn't at all like that. I mean, he was kind of the anti of that. So we got on brilliantly and I went to work in-house for him. Um, and as the years went by, actually, the business has become, uh, fashion business is much more of a business now. It's much yeah. more corporate and um, I suppose less creative, but yeah, definitely to start with, that AbFab was probably a documentary on the industry. <laughs> oh, I, I loved AbFab. Um, it's really good, yeah. Yeah, I was at uni when that was on, and so I'm like, I'm 44 now, but yeah, AbFab was like, you know, our favourite programme, and we absolutely loved it, and it, yeah. uh, it just you must have so many fantastic memories from that time then. Yeah, um, yeah. It was a lot of fun and, and crazy. And yeah. Crazy. You know, sometimes it was like, wow. This oh, is, I can this imagine. Is, this is a bit balmy, but you know. <laughs> God, smartphones weren't around in those days, hey? I know, I know. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so tell me, apart from little Tiggy, and I can totally see why, you, why you've gone down this route, because you've had a dog and you've transformed her, and I can imagine when you... Um, you know, when you were kind of sharing her story and people who knew you and knew what you knew what you'd done, it just, I guess it just happened organically, didn't it? But what, what kind of changed and what came, um, you know, how did you come to set up your dog training business? Um, so I think, you know, it was something that I'd always wanted to yeah. do. And I think initially I thought, um, oh, I'll do PR consulting and dogs, um, which I did do for the first sort of six or seven months. Um, I'm, I mean, I was hugely nervous to start. Um, I had adopted my dogs from um, a charity called Wild at Heart Foundation. And yeah. so I was in touch with them with Nikki Tibbles and Nadine and Eve there a lot. And they really helped me because I literally didn't have a clue because when you start to study, there are so many different people to study with. And I didn't have a clue. So I asked them and they had some behavior people that helped and they sort of really kind of gave me lots of um info on courses and things which i you know and i studied and studied and i still study because i think it's just there's so much to learn and it's so key to be up to date with things um and so i launched my company at the beginning of last year and i just sort of went for it yeah. um and i think it's sarah whitehead that says you know just give it a go because you know if you can help that dog you you know you're, you're really helping mm, totally. um, and she she does a brilliant um be in a circle which I do and there's a lot of business coaching in there as well as well as Helen's group um and you know they're, they're really supportive it's like just go for it and I think with these groups if you do have um I, I'd sometimes when I started I would refer on jobs or clients that I felt I wasn't experienced enough to do and I shadowed um, some um, uh, some amazing um, local trainers, um, Jeanette and Gavin Muldoon. I worked, you know, helped. They kindly helped me yeah. um, to get that experience with reactive dogs. And then I gradually took on more and more. And then I would say since last summer, I've just been full time with dogs. Yeah. And um, it's got busier and busier and busier, which is amazing. 
Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, how does your life now compare to, um, you know, what it used to be like when you were, when you were working, working in London and working in, in fashion, you know, what, 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 what's a typical day for you now compared to your old life? I think um, my old life, when you work in PR, which I'm, I'm sure you know as well, it can be 24-7 because yeah. the media doesn't stop, especially now with social media and it, the internet. You know, it's, it's completely different to when I first started where it was just print press and you, you could switch off. Um, so I think the main difference is the work hours. So I'm setting my own hours rather than being on call at midnight or, yeah. you know, getting an email at 2am from New York or something it's completely different um so I set my own work hours and also there's just that thing of I think you know some of the dogs I work with some of the rescue dogs or the anxious dogs there's that amazing feeling of you're actually really helping you know a dog and and the owner the person to to have a life or to have the confidence to become a dog um and and so I think that's that's an amazing feeling. And obviously fashion's exciting, but I genuinely felt at the end of my career that I'd worked with everyone that I really wanted to and mm. that I'd been really lucky in that way. So I don't miss it, although I loved it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you've, um, it's funny, isn't it? Because I think like, you know, when, you're, when we're in our kind of 20s and 30s, we've got these things that we want to tick off, haven't we? So and then, yeah. then I guess yeah. you get to a point where you just think, actually, and particularly with working with your own dogs, and then training, then doing your training, and then working with other people. Those like life-changing transformations are just incredible, and what you must get from that must be just amazing. I know, even from like you know, we've got Patch now, and we adopted him when he was two. He didn't have any behavioural problems. He's always had a lovely life. He's, he he was rescued, but he was you know he was rescued. He was rehomed from a family. Yeah. So, so we had a trainer come and help us, and that was because I wanted I wanted to kind of do things right and set myself up for success with him. Um, yeah. And even even though he was just a very he was a very you know fairly well behaved dog, a little bit excitable, but you know generally he was okay. Even what she did for us. Um, it just means so much because it means we can enjoy life and take him wherever we want to yeah. and, and all those things. Yeah. But, you know, the, the cases you're working with, the reactive dogs, the, you know, the dogs who have, you know, who are very nervous and anxious, it's such a transformation that you're giving people. And it's just, you know, it's life changing, isn't it? For them it and is. their dogs. So yeah, it's I'm, it is. I'm working with a dog at the moment called Denzel, who's from a, um, one of the horrible public shelters in Romania where they're just awful, yeah. the, these places. And he, um, they sent, the charity sent me um, films of him there and he'd literally learned to live on a shelf. You know, he literally lived on the spot for two years to avoid everything. Yeah. And um, he's been brought to the UK and I'm working with his foster parents and he does the same here. He, he literally lives on the spot. His world has shrunk so much because he just feels safe not moving. Um, and we've worked together and he didn't move from that spot for about a month. And then I got a film sent to me by WhatsApp on Sunday and he just decided he wanted to go out for a walk. And it's just wonderful because you just think there he is. He's being a dog. He's, you know, he's got his life back. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, yeah. And, and so things like that are, are just, I mean, all the dogs I love with, I work with, I love, they're wonderful, but you know, dogs like that, you just think, Oh God, he's, he's only four or five. He's, he's going to go ahead now and, and live the life he should be living. Um, so things like that are just that that's why I do it really I think I'm so yeah. glad I made the change yeah oh my gosh and but you've got so many stories to share as well about these lovely lovely um 
uh, you know, this, this life-changing, you know, help that you're giving people for their dogs. And, you know, we just love our dogs so much, don't we? And Yeah, and also I think the people, are, the, the people I meet are lovely as well. The clients are just lovely. Um, and they genuinely want the best for their dogs. And, yeah. you know, that's really nice. Yeah. Definitely. And if they're coming to you in the first place, you know, it's just fantastic. And, and yeah, and, you know, people, people are coming to you, aren't they? And, and I imagine sometimes, you know, they're very anxious and they've been through a lot of stress and ultimately they just want to stay with their dog and make their dog yeah. happy. Um, and for you to be able to kind of give them that bridge to that point is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think also some of them, you know, they feel like they failed or that, you know, they're really upset or that they've done something wrong and, and I think because I have lived with dogs that are anxious or reactive, I can tell them anecdotes of my own dogs. And, yeah. you know, so, so I've, I've been there. Um, I'm not a dog trainer that's going to make, you, you know, I, I try to never make people feel bad. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's always about building the person's confidence too. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I had, um, when I had Daisy, I went to a dog trainer and he was very kind of old school and very strict. And I just left thinking, yeah. oh my God, I just can't do what he's told me to do. And I felt dreadful. And I just yeah. thought, well, I'm just going to have to, it was before I did what I do now. And I didn't know so many people and have all of this knowledge, um, you know, on Facebook and everything and all the groups that I'm in. Um, so, you know, I just tried my best with Daisy and kept her on a lead and, you know, I, I I wish I'd gone and found somebody more um, more kind of yeah understanding really. But hey ho, she still had yeah. a lovely life. <laughs> oh, it is hard. I've I've had clients come to me and they've been made to feel small by dog trainers. Yeah, you know, and I just never want to make someone feel like that because you know um, dogs are there's so many different personalities and reasons for why a dog is how it is. You know, and. Um, I just think it's it doesn't help to make the person feel bad um and, and also just to be kind I think mm -hmm. you know I want my clients to have the confidence to work with their dogs and the confidence to keep coming back to me absolutely and that's really important isn't it um and I think the world's changed as well you know we see so much about the importance of kindness and and yeah. particularly like from in lockdown as well the huge role that our dogs have played in our lives um and I think, yeah, I think we look at even even like in the last decade, I think the way that we um, the way we value our animals has really, really changed, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think I work with so many people whose dogs are really part of their family, but part of their social life. You know, yeah. they do so many hobbies with their dogs and oh, it's wonderful. And, and you know, and they want to, uh, you know, it, sometimes the dog training part, once the dog is trained, it, it becomes like a hobby of something they want to do once a month to meet yeah. up and just do something out, you know, go somewhere with the dog. And it, it's really wonderful. Yeah. So sorry, I'm talking about dogs and I am supposed to be talking about <laughs> the, the topic of the podcast, but it's so fascinating talking to you. And I know oh, people, who, I know listeners like hearing stories about dogs, so it's fine. Um, yeah. But I actually, I was thinking actually when you were talking, I think um, having a background in communications is probably really beneficial, isn't it? When you're dealing with your clients and yes, figuring out yeah. how to, you know, how to not make them feel bad and how to reassure them and how to give them um, what they need um, to, to build confidence and, and get what they, you know, get the best from your training with the dog. Um, but yeah. I wanted to say, um, I wanted to ask you how you use the skills that you learned as a PR when you started out with your pet business, because you're going into something um, completely different, completely different world. Um, so how did that work? How did you, um, how did you find it? I guess launching. 
Um, I, um, I suppose I, I found things like imagery. I mean, because I worked as a PR brand, con, you know, branding PR. So that to me was really important, how my website looked, what kind of client did I want it to appeal to. Um, so I, I spent time with photography colors you know the 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 whole thing of and and actually that's worked because a certain client says to me i love your website i love the look of it i love the colors um you know that sort of branding area i found quite important um and i found instagram really helpful for me because in my PR background, um, Instagram was hugely powerful at selling products. And I kind of already knew how to use that. Um, my clients that I'd worked with since Instagram had come out, that became the main source of communication for yeah. them, actually, more than press, because you can control it. You can yeah. control the message you put out. You can control your own image. You can announce things on it. So I embraced Instagram with the business. And actually, now I get quite a lot of work through Instagram and, and actually, um, video calls clients out of area a lot a lot of that um, yeah. comes from instagram um so i found that really important facebook for me not so much but i don't i haven't put as much effort into it so i know it works really well for, with some people um but yeah and i think in terms of skills with um just in general i think um discretion is really important which yeah. i learned in pr um so i don't I'm very discreet about my clients. I don't on social media. I tend not to put too much about the case that I'm working on. So I'll put something quite light and fluffy about the dog, but I wouldn't go into big details because I think that, you know, people don't really want why they've Mm -hmm. come to you all over social media. Um, And um, discretion in terms of um, just the way I conduct myself. I think. I don't really get involved in dog training cliques or Facebook groups as such. Um, I know that some dog trainers speak badly of others and their methods. I try not to get involved in that. It's a skill I learned from PR is that if just say nothing, I I say nothing. I don't get involved. I had a boss in PR um, who was really powerful. She had offices all around the world and she taught me, she'd say, say nothing we say nothing yeah um and and actually your work then speaks for you yeah um so that's something that i've really carried over is just to do your work um be kind to other people and keep doing your work and then the word of mouth is Mm -hmm. actually really powerful um most of my work comes through word of mouth through clients recommending me or other dog people recommending me or the charities i work with recommending me to their adopters Mm-hmm. That, and yeah yeah I think um, what you just said about the discussion thing and uh, if you haven't got anything nice to say don't say anything at all that's really yeah. I, I'm, I'm with you on that um, and I know um, you know I, I don't think everyone feels like that and I think it's easy to be really vocal on social media you know like yeah. if you see something on tv and you don't agree with it but I just think you know what I don't you know I don't I have like a membership and I do courses and things and you know, we've been on call, we've been on calls when massive things are kicking off in politics, and obviously lockdown happened. And I just think, I am. I don't. It's one of those where I, sometimes I think, do people think I'm a bit boring because I don't really put opinions out there? But I just think, no, it's I'm, no. I have no. my area that I know, and I talk about that, and I do it in a kind of you know, I do it in a in a way that I hope people find okay and easy to understand, and I just leave it at that. 
Um, yeah. Because a lot yeah. of, you know, a lot of journalists are very, um, you know, very opinionated and lots of people in lots of professions are really opinionated. <laughs> yeah, I'm completely with you. Um, and the other thing I was going to ask you, actually, because you touched a little bit on case studies and clients. Um, I think one of the things that probably does really help with your background is when you have got a case study who is willing to share the story I bet you can do it in a really um a really great way obviously because of your background so yeah do you find that you know kind of sharing sharing case studies um do you find that really helps with your business or is there any particular way that you do that if people are willing to talk about the transformations that you bring I tend to um share case studies um i'll sometimes share them of my own dogs or yeah. tiggy um or one of my dogs that i've got now dolly she was um from a horrible background in cyprus where she was kept chained and she was quite abused and when she came to me she was very she resource guarded um, yeah. and she was very reactive so i'll tend to maybe share some of Dolly's progress or some of fred's i do a lot of fred actually um yeah. uh, when when i got fred um some dog trainers again um said he'll never come back you'll never teach him recall he's a hound he's a yeah. hunting hound so i taught him recall and so i would share a success story like that hey here's my hunting hound coming back doing a brilliant recall yeah. um it can be done and then of course i get lots of hound clients because people are like can you help me with my hound or with dolly who resource guard i'll, I'll maybe put a, a little story up about how i add things I've now gained her trust by adding to things. I would never take something from her. Yeah. Um, and I find those sort of case studies um, help people to understand. And, you know, I think of what, what are the things I want to work with? Um, mm -hmm. What are the things also, what am I qualified? What have I, you know, studied really highly that I'm, I can work with. And I tend to use my own dogs um, to show those things. And I, I do a lot of, um, I do a lot of um, Instagram stories with yeah. that. So I'll film Fred on a walk. Um, we, we were doing, um, with Fred, I've been doing a lot of um, engaging and disengaging from ducks because he, he had a phase where he wanted to chase the ducks on the pond. So I'll show myself working with that. And I find that works really well. And that gets me a lot of inquiries from, oh, my dog does that. Can, you, can we work together on yeah. it? Yeah, so I think using my own dogs is a way I've got round the discretion. Yeah, no, but it's 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 fantastic, and and you've got you know you've got your own compelling stories there, particularly with Tiggy, um, which which are really powerful, aren't they? Yes, um, thank you. Yeah. I was going to say actually, because um, the media has obviously changed loads. We've kind of worked in the media at roughly the same time, haven't we? Yeah, um, yeah. kind of like noughties and and the last decade. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, I mean, gosh, when I first started out, we only had like email on one computer in the office, and there was no like no smartphones or anything, no social media. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so and that, now you're talking about how you use Instagram stories in a brilliant way to promote yourself. Yeah. Um, and show people you know what it's like to work with you and what you can what you can do and all those things um so yeah what what are your kind of thoughts on the on how the media is now compared to what it was like you know when you were working in pr and how pet businesses really can use the media as in social media as well to um, get themselves out there i think um i think the social media side of things is brilliant i do think it's um you need to be interactive on it. So I'm very much, I will interact on Instagram. Um, I will like other people's posts. I'll comment sometimes if there's 
um, I follow a lot of rescue dogs on it. And sometimes if somebody's put something up saying they need help um, or, or my dogs, there was one the other day where the dog was blatantly resource guarding a bone. Yeah. And I just put a little nice comment up saying, oh, you know, and, and gave a bit of advice and said, email me. That's mm-hmm. not really to give business, but I think it gets your name out there. But also it's just being quite helpful. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I think it's... Um, I try to post it to Instagram every other day and mm-hmm. I try and do an Instagram story every day and just keep those ticking over. And they range from walks of my own dogs to some of my training sessions to if the, one of the charities I work with like Underdog International or Spaniel Aid have put a post up of a dog needing home or put a post up of a dog's progress, I'll share that. Or other dog trainers tips, I support yeah. Other businesses, you know, if somebody's put a really great tip up, I'll share that on stories. So it makes it rather than just films, Mm -hmm. um, it varies it. And I find those are quite successful to do that. Um, And I think it's it's really good, um, you know, in terms of we used to think of press in terms of we have to be in print. It has yeah. to be in print. But, you know, the first thing I asked the Telegraph when they said, can we do this interview was, I said, is it going to be online? Because yeah. that's so much more widely read and so much more powerful. And although it's amazing to be in print because you can keep that, the fact is it's the online mm. things that just get the hits and the readers. Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, so I've got, I've got a program where I try, where, you know, I show people how to get press press coverage um, and I think the more that you can the great thing we've got social media now we've got our own media that we create we've got blogs and we can guest blog and we can be featured on other blogs um, yeah. and then obviously we've got the the mainstream media um, as well um, but yeah the more um, you know my kind of messages you know the more places you're showing up on google the better um, and yes. obviously being in something so prestigious as a telegraph is amazing so Thank tell you. me so well done first of all I shouldn't, I shouldn't say well done oh my gosh that's so patronizing because you've no, been out for years no but... no no it was incredible I didn't yeah. know I didn't know that it was going to be um uh, I I didn't know that it would be in the magazine that prominently in yeah. a whole page so that was a surprise to me when it came out I was like wow oh brilliant yeah, yeah. it's a great one for the for the cuttings folder isn't it the oh, old-fashioned cuttings folder yeah. I know. I've got I've got a leather portfolio oh, in my I love, office. I love that. It's all <laughs> digital now, isn't it? But I used to love a press book. Yeah. You know, a proper press book. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> so tell me about the lovely Telegraph feature and how that's kind of impacted on your profile. Um, so I think, um, you know, just being in the press and I obviously with my PR background, um, really worked the story to, I, I suppose, like my niche, um, yeah. which is rescue dogs and reactive dogs. So I thought, what, what do I want to get across in this? Um, and so I had lots of inquiries from those type of dog owners. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, video calls, I think what lockdown has showed people is that actually video calls can be really helpful mm. for, you know, rather than doing nothing, a, a, an hour video call and some hour training sessions actually are really effective, especially with anxious dogs and reactive dogs, because a big part of it is explaining what's happening and how it's working and how you can help to get the dog calm. Yeah. Um, and then to meet for training sessions if possible, or if, because I had a lot of inquiries from not in my areas, I tend to do the initial video call and then I help to find them a good dog trainer in mm-hmm. their area. 
so it, it helps them because often like I was when I had reactive Tiggy I didn't know who was a good tra trainer who yeah. was ethical I didn't understand any of that stuff so I think in that way it's really helped because I can refer them on to trainers that I know that are going to be kind and ethical with the dogs definitely yeah. I think um I think when people are coming to you like you said from the Telegraph article they just they've read about you they you obviously come across um you know as being very understanding and very knowledgeable and they just they read it and they want they feel that you know they want to be understood and they want to be heard don't yes. they and yeah having that fantastic um you know having that fantastic piece that's putting you in front of them is it's just brilliant and like you say off you know you're, you've been speaking to people all over the all over the place um, and you can just put them on the right track but that initial call we just want to as owners we just want to feel like we want hope I guess and we want to feel yeah. understood don't we like you it's did definitely. when you had your dogs at the beginning yeah. I think it's definitely about being understood and people would message me saying thank you for listening and, and yeah. just just letting me you know because I think sometimes these owners do feel a failure and like it's something that they've done wrong um, or, or maybe they have made a few mistakes because we're not all experts in it yeah. but the fact that I don't say oh you did that wrong um, the fact that I understand and um, you know I've been there with my own dogs um, so yeah and then lots of people just wrote in saying I really liked your story it, it yeah. was really nice well done which Aww. is really nice to just be told well done because often people just aren't always so positive you know yeah. to each other so just yeah it was amazing Oh, it's so lovely. I, I used to write about dating quite a bit for BuzzFeed. And I used to oh, get wow. it was so good about being single in my 30s because I was single for most of my 30s. Oh. And I used to get lovely messages from those pieces. It was brilliant. Yeah, yeah. And really I, went lovely. In, I went into, um, on the day it came out, because I, I still wasn't sure if it was going into print. Um, I thought it was online. So when it, the writer kindly sent me a PDF of it. And so I went into my local Waitrose and bought 10 copies. And the cashier looked at me and, <laughs> <laughs> and I discreetly said, oh, um, I'm, I'm in it. I work with dogs, rescue dogs, and they've done a page on me. And I showed her and she was like, wow, that's amazing. And then she shouted, Oi, Margaret, this, this, this lady is famous. She's in the papers. Oh, I love yeah. it. <laughs> so I had to scuttle out of there really quickly. Oh, I love it. That's so funny. So, oh, that's brilliant. I could, you painted a brilliant picture there as well. Um, so um, as well as being a celebrity in where you live, um, is there anywhere that you'd like to, is there any, have you got like a bit of a PR wish list for your own business as, as a pet professional? Um, like you would have had in the old days for your clients um yeah I mean I think it's given me the confidence to do a bit more I think yeah. you know if you can find writers that um paint you in a, a a good light I think there was that thing with dog training where I can't remember what that Catherine did you, did you ever see that Catherine Tate dog trainer um on her comedy show it was very yeah. funny but I think there was always that image of that's what they were like and um I think finding writers um like the lovely writer that wrote my Telegraph piece who paint it in a really modern light mm. um, is, is, is always good. Um, and so I suppose with PR like yourself, I'm always quality over quantity and, and, you know, and getting, you might just do one or two pieces, but they're the right pieces. Mm -hmm. um, and also I think um, I'm starting to, uh, with my brand consulting background, starting to link that up to brand consulting on a couple of, big a big dog event that was postponed this year actually but yeah. is going to happen next year and um 
a dog business that's going to open in London in, in I can't say too much about mm. it, but, but putting my PR and branding skills, pairing them with dog businesses or dog events yeah. um, is something that I'm moving into, um, yeah, which I think for me is very interesting because it combines both yeah. of my, because I did love, I mean, I love PR. It's, it's great. Um, so to, um, to combine those um, and then yes, press, I think maybe to target some of the local press where I live now, yeah um is is a good thing um the telegraph's amazing when I mean, it's pretty up there you know yeah. to, to, so I was a bit like I'm not sure where to go from that <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I think local press is is fantastic for the service providers because you know you, you I know you've got your, your waitrose fame but you want you know you want people in your area to know you and what you do and know you like one of the ladies I've been working with she's got bright pink hair in fact a couple of them have got bright yeah. pink hair so oh, people amazing. recognize them in the street because they yeah. read about them in the local paper um, and yeah. I think I think there's a lot to be said and there's all but and there's also obviously you've got your local papers haven't you but there's yeah. so many lovely lifestyle magazines now as well um that I think people so. keep yeah. as well don't they and they can be fantastic too yeah particularly if they go online as well so and I think also those kind of articles for me where I mean I think lockdown actually has made a lot of people rethink their jobs and I know with the telegraph that was their angle of the piece was yeah. you know a lot of people are thinking well I've had you know I've got this time where I'm at home and I can study or actually what do I really want to do um, so I think f those kind of articles are really good if you have changed career to target publications that are running those kind yeah. of stories um, because everyone loves dogs and, and people that work with dogs you know it's a really interesting nice thing to do definitely and you'll know as well from being in PR and working with journalists all the time journalists love hearing stories about people who've you know left a corporate job and then gone and done something they really love because yeah. I think secretly and I know that I do this they're thinking oh my god that could be me one day I could yeah. leave journalism and go and do something <laughs> lovely like have a pet business yeah um, yeah so yeah we love hearing those stories and there are so many I'm just looking through the newspapers there are so many regular columns of yeah. those things so it's definitely um one to target yeah yeah there was um we had a couple of the ladies from um i've got a facebook group and also a membership and a few three of them went in woman and home and it was all oh, about yes, changing yeah. careers to be to work with dogs and it was a brilliant spread they were made up yeah um so yeah, yeah. it was fantastic and um, so i find with um pet business owners a, a, a lot of people are very comfortable on social media but sometimes have um I sometimes have people message and say that they're a little bit scared about kind of pitching to newspapers or putting themselves in front of journalists. Yeah. Um, do you think there's anything that kind of holds people, holds pet businesses back when it comes to getting publicity um, um, and doing mainstream kind of media stuff? I think that um, as, you know, like you, you know, knowing journalists, that they're, they're always looking for an interesting story. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just really getting out there. But I think it has to be a story you know mm -hmm. um with the telegraph they said can you just write a, a brief description of your and, and so i made it into a story which then yeah. the journalist had something to go with to to to, to write on mm -hmm. um and i think you know if you i mean there there are some not great things that uh, trainers in the spotlight sometimes and i think that if more people came forward and um you know with a story and and you know if, if you've got great training tips you know that's a great 
thing to just contact newspapers and yeah. make, it, make it timely you know what are people struggling with at the moment and and think about it and and just writing a small piece I think most people would be really grateful to read that yeah definitely um, and you know I think people do think oh something's on tv or something's in a newspaper that must be right yeah um, and and so I think that can really help with business um just tips of you know, everyone's got puppies at the moment or everyone's mm. dogs at the moment because of lockdown are struggling to be left alone again and, and thinking of those angles and then just approaching a journalist yeah. who would probably be like, yes, thank you. Oh my gosh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, I've worked on, yeah, on like locals and nationals and, and you know, I've got a blog and lots of, done lots of things in between. Um, and I know um, that, you know, if you go to a local journalist or a national journalist even, they're going to, you know, when I worked on a local paper, we had to do like 10 stories a day. And the online yeah. journalists, they have to produce so much. Yeah. So if you can go to them with um, just, you know, a nice timely tip piece about, you know, supporting your pet in lockdown or how to keep your dog calm during the Christmas holidays, which I did yeah. actually did with Helen. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, she did. She ended up, we went, it went in the sun and then she went on BBC Breakfast, which was amazing. amazing. Yeah. And that was just simply, I knew Helen dealt with anxious dogs and I thought right Christmas anxiety it's timely and she helped me we, we, I interviewed her and it just led to a great piece but yeah. you can do that locally and as a local service provider um you know that's that's shining a light on you and positioning you well and it's, yeah it's great isn't it and I so, think I think it's yeah it's just researching you know buying the newspapers and the magazines or looking online over a period of a few weeks or a few yeah. months and looking at who writes the stories that might be you know who would be interested um because there's no point approaching someone who's the wrong person for it um so I think yeah I, I very much look at which writers are writing those sort of stories and then targeting them and yes then I think they would be like yes thank you yes please yeah definitely that's um that's yeah one of the one of the things that I've done when I've done um PR challenges and stuff actually is to talk about you when you're on a local paper you've obviously got like maybe four five six reporters and when I was on my local paper years ago you know I love dogs so I'd write about dogs my friend Sarah she loves dogs she'd have written about dogs but we had this news editor Steve and he hated dogs <laughs> and if you'd have, if you'd have emailed the news editor you'd have got the short shrift but if you got yeah. me or Sarah you would have been you'd have been you know, it is, kind of yeah. Get your hand off. It is that thing. That's what I mean. Yeah, like you've just said. It's like if that person doesn't reply, try someone else. Yeah. Um, and and keep trying, and you know, then swap to someone else because. And also, um, if there are freelance writers in your area, they're often looking for stories to pitch. Like the yeah. um, the journalist that wrote the piece for the Telegraph, she's a freelance writer, and she pitched the story to them. So it's, you know, it's often not just the people that actually work full-time on those publications but are there writers in your yeah. area that you know that would have the contacts to go in there for you definitely no that's brilliant brilliant advice um, and it's just taking a little bit of time isn't it to you know yeah. put an afternoon to one side get loads of papers magazines websites whatever it is that you want to to, to feature in um, and go through them and it it works it absolutely works as, as we both know yeah um, but yeah, so, oh my gosh, you've shared so much helpful information. I am really, it's really great for some for somebody else to be talking about the stuff that I talk about and oh. for you to have had um, this fantastic success yourself. So it's really lovely having you on the podcast. So can you tell me, I know you mentioned before a little bit about consultancy and brands and that kind of thing, but what's next for you? Um, what's next for you at Mayor and Hound? Um, I think that um, for me, I 
my business has just really picked up this year, you know, yeah. it's, it's become full on. So I need to, um, I need to streamline it a bit, sort of niche down as Helen would say, and focus yeah. on my niche. Um, and also I really, you know, lockdown showed me that I really enjoy doing the video calls and, and consulting for clients out of area. So I think more of that. And, um, I think more focusing on working with certain dogs on more of a, a long-term basis, um, you know, because reactive dogs, it's months of work. It's not one or two sessions. So building that up and yeah, j- just consulting on various dog brands and projects like that, that I find really interesting. There are some great things coming up. And I think that um, the dog brands that um, I'm working on, they've, they've really embraced the dog's welfare and the ethical side of the dog, you know, yeah. the dog world. So that's really good to be involved in and to be advising on both as a brand and as in the behavior side as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I definitely need to keep your details for um, when those case study requests come up about hybrid careers, because um, that's a it's a really oh, interesting thank combination. You. Um, thank you. Fantastic. So, where can people go and find out more about about you and what you do? Um, my website is mayorandhounddogtraining.com and um yeah facebook and instagram mayor and hound dog training as well yeah fabulous well i do i always do a blog post with all the episodes with um with links to all the things that you've mentioned so i will put all of those in the show notes so if you're listening um, you can just go and check out the show notes for this episode but karen it's been amazing chatting to you um, about so many different things Um, it's been fantastic so thanks so much for coming on the show Oh, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast. For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.